He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Our second scripture is from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 12 through 14 and 19 through 27. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, through men, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but many. If all were a single many member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with the greater honor, and less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there will be no dissension within the body. But the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. <clears throat> Thank you for um, putting up with the clergy caller. From here, I am going to South Pasadena to be part of a, an advanced Earth Day ritual. It's an expansion, uh, interfaith expansion of the 
Traditional Christian blessing of the animals, we're calling it the blessing of the whole web of life. And we are, uh, we have Buddhist, Jewish, Hindu, Muslim, Baha'i, and indigenous leaders to help us in blessing the animals and plants and whatever living creatures are brought forward. I'm the, I'm the Christian guy in that. going to be focusing, I want to focus next Sunday on the climate issue. This is the climate flag. Have you seen it yet? This is uh, going national. I can get one for you free of charge if uh, you will display it wherever you can. Yeah. T talk to me afterwards. The first scripture reading has a double purpose. It's relevant for the theme today, but also to, to get us thinking about Earth Day. With your permission, I would like to have that scripture about the vine read again next Sunday. The first scripture reading has a double purpose. Oh, I just said that. Excuse me. <clears throat> Boy. <laughs> Uh, I want to, no, the second one, I want to talk about the body. I have a body. As far as I can tell, all of you have bodies. If you didn't, I wouldn't be aware of you, I don't think, and vice versa. Our bodies are good. At least that is what our faith teaches. I hope you feel that way about your own body, even if, even if you wish it were, you know, different in some little way. Christianity is a religion of focus on the body. We are a religion of embodiment. You know, one of the biggest misunderstandings of our faith is by people who think that at death we leave our body behind. From then on, you know, they think if, if we're anything, we're just souls. All you have to do is read the book, the New Testament, in order to see how off that is. After Jesus had risen from the dead, he ate and drank with his disciples. He showed them his wounds etc. So let's get used to it. Our bodies are forever. They just change from a physical perishable form to a spiritual eternal form through God's doing. We don't understand it, but we will, by the grace of God, experience it. I'm exceedingly thankful for that I hope you are too. I cannot imagine my life without my body. And there's something more about bodies. There is a greater inclusive body. It's called the body of Christ. When you and I were baptized, we were baptized into Christ. That means into the body of Christ. Well, what is the body of Christ? 
It's the church. It's in the first instance us, we who call ourselves Christians and put our time and money into this institution we call the church. St. Paul spells it out to the Corinthians. Our Protestant Bible translates Paul's Greek this way. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. The Roman Catholic Bible puts it this way. Now Christ's body is yourselves, each of you with a part to play in the whole. So what does it mean to be a member of the body of Christ? Paul gives example of a hand, a foot, an ear, an eye, you know what we call our organs. Paul didn't know much about the internal organs of the body. And of course he had no idea whatsoever that our bodies are made up of millions of cells. But he sure understood that the body is an organic whole, each part dependent on all the other parts. The body can't be whole and well unless its individual parts are whole and well. Think again of the vine. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. Could there be a more intimate, organic connection between all of us and him than that? One of our biblical scholars has pointed out that the word Paul uses for members when he says that we're members of the body could equally accurately be translated membranes. We are membranes of the body of Christ. Ever thought of yourself as a membrane? I mean, if that doesn't put us soberly in our place, how about this? We, you and I, are cells in the body of Christ. We are, each of us, both much smaller and much more interconnected with one another than we ordinarily imagine. We all live from the very same flow of blood, if you will, which is Christ's blood. And this intimate, organic, cellular interconnection isn't just something that is true of Christian believers. In a larger sense, it's true of the whole human race. For God in Christ has identified herself with humanity as such, with human nature. In a sense, the only difference between us Christians and the rest of the human race is that we have become we have been given the grace to become aware of being members of the body of Christ. We've given, been given the grace to be aware of this and the grace to live and shape our lives in accordance with this awareness. I'm very committed to bringing the great religions together. I've been working on it for 25 years. All of them stress in one way or another the oneness and therefore the interconnection of all of humanity.
But I have not found this affirmation, the Christian affirmation of God's embodiment, and as a result, our organic bodily connection to the divine. I haven't found that yet in the other faiths. The closest thing I know of is the image of Indra's net in Buddhism and Hinduism. Some of you may know about that. Indra's net is a beautiful image and a beautiful teaching, but it doesn't speak of the organic interconnection in the way that the teaching of the body of Christ does. So we're interconnected at a deeper level and more inescapably than sometimes we want to accept or admit. Some of us are more introverted than others of us. You know, the folks who need more privacy, more alone time, somehow that we need need more space around us than others do. That's fine, my own dear wife is like that. And I don't love her any of the less for that. In one church I served, the greeters were in the habit of hugging all the new folks who came in to the sanctuary. Well, a retired admiral of the United States Navy came in one day. He let us know immediately that he did not want to be hugged when he arrived at church. Go figure. Well, that's the admiral. Okay. We've got to respect the fact that we are individuals. We are unique individuals. We're all different. But, you know, this, this thing about individualism can be carried too far. And my perspective is that the prioritizing of the sovereign individual has gone too far in this America of ours. We've gotten the idea and sadly, one of our major political parties seems to have bought into this idea big time that everything depends on the individual. The most important thing by far is individual freedom, that God helps those who help themselves, as after all, Benjamin Franklin, old Benjamin Franklin said. Well, individual freedom is important and precious. But from our Christian perspective, only in the context of our recognizing and affirming our underlying interconnection and mutual dependence as human beings. In a, in a, old ben Franklin really had it wrong. You know, it's not that God helps those who help themselves. It's that those who help themselves are enabled to do so because they have been helped by God and by other people. Each one of us is absolutely, in every way, dependent on God. And each one of us is substantially dependent on the other human beings 
around us. We're all in it together. As human beings, we, we certainly are we're distinct from one another, yes, but we're really not separate from one another. We're not separated. We are organically interconnected, willy-nilly, whether we like it or not. This is what Paul was trying to teach the Corinthian Christians, I think, and what the church has more or less faithfully taught for 2,000 years in speaking of the body of Christ. And we don't acknowledge this when we don't internalize it. We get into trouble. The individual ego takes over. We spend our energies putting ourselves in the right and others in the wrong, making ourselves just a little bit more important than the other person. Hey, I'm an I. And face it, eyes are just really more important than hands like you. I'm an ear. You're just a foot. I'm a chest. I'm better looking and stronger than, you know, you members further down here. And so on. Forget it. What has happened? What happens in that mentality to the fundamental virtue of humility, which is so basic a part of what it means to be a follower of Christ? In another church I served, the lay leadership said to me one day, Pastor, you know, we know that pastor means shepherd, but we just think it's a little much for you to think of yourself as our shepherd, and, and we as your sheep? So I thought about that, and, you know, I wondered if I come on too strong somehow, and uh, I came back to them and I said, okay, would you be okay just thinking of me as the head sheep uh, of the congregation. They accepted that, but is the, but is the pastor even really the head sheep? Or is it, at least in our system of government, the moderator who is the head sheep? What about it, Phil? <laughs> we have to have some authority in the church and in society at large, but woe to anybody in authority or power who forgets, who thinks that he or she is more important or crucial in God's sight or in the ultimate scheme of things than the person way down there at the low end of the hierarchy. One more aspect of this. You do intercessory prayer, and you do it in a lovely, participatory way. It, it's really great. I realized some years ago that when I pray for another human being, I'm simply activating a connection to them which already exists. I'm putting additional life-giving energy into that connection, when I pray for them, but the connection is already there. Prayer just makes us aware of the invisible but real tissue which makes us into one body. I want you to have, I want you 
sisters and brothers, to have this blessed awareness now when you are in this transition time and looking toward the future of Neighborhood Church. I want to end with this suggestion. It's just a suggestion. Sometime this week, go into your bathroom or wherever you have a mirror and stand there and look at yourself. Look yourself in the eye and hold that gaze. And notice, first of all, how, how beautiful and wonderful your eyes are. And say to yourself, first, while you're looking, holding your own gaze, I love you. Self-love is as important as any other love. Without it, you can't love anybody else. And then second, still looking yourself in the eye, say this. I love the church. Can you do that? And then third, still looking yourself in the eye, say, I love, and then add the name of somebody whom it is not hard for you to love. And finally, look yourself in the eye and say, I love, and then say the name of somebody that it has not and is not easy for you to love. Maybe somebody who is now or who has been until recently a member of Neighborhood Church. Or at least say to yourself, I want to love this person. Teach me, God. Empower me to love this person. May I, by your grace, embody your love to this person in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ. So be it. Amen.